welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome back to our triune pod. How you doing over there, Nick? Doing great, man. Doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, uh, actually, I'm great because last night, Fleming Rutledge tweeted about my sermon. Oh my gosh. Someone told me about it. So essentially, my life's work is complete. It's, you know, it's probably all downhill from now. I've reached that plateau. I'm, I'm riding high. I got a buddy here in Raleigh. Shout, shout out Cam, who uh, he's... Uh, we've started reading a little bit of that stuff and he saw it on Twitter actually. And he texted me and he's like, man, your buddy Ben. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's cool. He's like, yeah, just probably can retire now. <laughs> that was what he said. It's true. It's true. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I could become a Bishop and that probably wouldn't be as cool as this, but enough about that. Enough about me, enough about Fleming. Although we'll probably get back to her inevitably. The real question I have for you is what do you think of get back the new Beatles? I don't know what you call it. A documentary. Um, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings fame, puts together, what, four hours with the footage out of 60 hours of unreleased footage. It's recording of the Let It Be album and the, I guess, the concert that that was a part of. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? And let me tell you a story. So it's the year is 1995. It's the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm, I'm 10 years old. And do you remember the Beatles anthology thing? That was a... Um, out, it was a it was a three albums and three like this big television thing do you have any do you have any memory no, of no. This? okay it, i mean it took place over thanksgiving the holiday uh just like the get out doc, the get back documentary did so i was like i said i was 10 years old my musical tastes were just forming at that point i had like the melancholy and the infinite sadness album by uh, smashing pumpkins i had the nirvana nevermind album i had the president's united states of america album and i had a weird owl album that was my musical taste at that time. And uh, I watched this documentary on the Beatles and I got, I think it must've been for Christmas that year. I got the first anthology album, which had a bunch of like the B-sides and demos of a lot of those like early real poppy fun songs. And I like, totally fell in love with the Beatles. I have this memory. This is such a dorky memory. I was in fifth grade. It was later that year. Did you ever have those presentations where you like play, like you had to like talk about a song or a poem or something like that, like in front of your class? Yeah. Yeah, so I did that, and I did um, "Love Me Do" by the Beatles. So we played. Oh, nice. I still remember this. Like we played it, and I talked about the lyrics. So I have this like very like early early memory in terms of as a musical con- consumer with the Beatles, and then I didn't like really get into the Beatles more than that. I think I was kind of a contrarian. I got really into the Clash when I was in junior high, and that you know phony phony Beatlemania has bitten the dust from London Calling. I was just like, oh no, the Beatles aren't cool. You know, I listened to the Beatles a little bit when I was in high school, like in a weird time in my life, let the reader understand. But all that goes to say is like, I've kind of hated on you a little bit for being a fanboy. So I was not prepared. This documentary is, I think one of the, I don't know, four or five coolest things I have ever seen it is i don't i don't think you could emphasize enough how incredible it is it's like 
it's the greatest hangout movie of all time because you are just you are for like eight hours hanging out with the Beatles as they record like this unbelievable classic album and you see their creative processes you see them smoke three cigarettes an hour you see I mean the the, the famous thing that everyone's now talking about which is so cool is when Paul McCartney is just like riffing on the bass singing melodies and then just you see literally it happen when he just gets the chorus for get back and then it's just like lightning strikes you know it's awesome i mean do you like it oh i love it i love it i do i will say i mean so my beetle history is that it, it was much later for me i mean i heard Beatles songs like individual songs but i think it was like 2003 rolling stone came out with that first 500 greatest albums list and at that time i was only listening to led zeppelin so i was really pissed that led zeppelin was like 24 was oh, their, yeah. the highest they got album. slighted i think it was uh zeppelin four but yeah so i had to see what the top 10 albums were and the Beatles had what two or three in that that list from two thousand four, and the number one was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh. So I had to check out that album, and I listened to it once. It was one of those things where I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't like punk and you know whatever at that time. But then, yeah, the second or third time I listened to it all the way through, I remember just thinking, this really is the best album of all time. There is not a bad track. It all flows together. It's coherent. And so I've been, since 2004, I've been a fanboy. So watching this is pretty incredible, especially as they're older, but it does make me wish that they had footage from either the Revolver sessions or Sgt. Pepper. Or when, like the I mean, White Album or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this album is fine, but I mean, those albums are yeah, but I, of all I, time. I, no, 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 that's true. But there, I mean, let it be, you know, and then get back. I mean, those are like, those are some classic songs. I'll say two more things before we move on. First, the, the clothes they wear, those dudes are so freaking effortlessly cool. It is unbelievable. So cool. They just show up at, you know, nine and they're like 25. They're really young. They're, it's old for the Beatles, but they're still like in their mid twenties. They just show up in these bizarre outfits that are like, I couldn't dress that cool if I spent the next two years buying the most like random clothes I could find and like consulting with people on Instagram or something like they are just effortlessly cool. It's unbelievable. And then the second thing I would say, and I know David Zoll is not listening to this podcast, but maybe some people who know him do, I will read 10,000 words of David Zoll on this documentary. Like I am just <laughs> waiting for, cause I'm, you know, he's it's a huge coming. music guy. Oh yeah. I mean, it is like opened up this portal. Another friend of the pod, Lucy, big Beatles person. She's been like sending me Beatles playlists. I am just like, I'm going to be that guy for the next year that's just like why do we listen to any other music besides the beatles it's, it's just all it's so much better than anything else this is what i've been saying <laughs> for a year and a half <laughs> i know i know it's just the documentary man it's it's done something yeah. to me it, it it's it is kind of like you know it's so long and in some ways the medium is the message like you are just hanging out with them experiencing the highs and lows of recording and the creative process to sound a little pretentious but those moments of like brilliance it is kind of like a spiritual experience. Like you're just like opened up to something and it's like how these people are just touched with some light, you know? I mean, it's totally. bizarre, but it, they are just, uh, I mean, I could talk about it forever, but I, I know I keep on telling people at my church. I'm like, cause can someone please watch this? Because I need to talk about this in every <laughs> meeting that I'm in and no one is watching it. You know, what's happening. Yeah. One more thing before we go into the actual Psalm. Uh, but yeah, I, the documentary, it starts off with, them, you know, being shown as the gods that they are, and you approach them as demigod, demigods as well. But about an hour in, 
I really felt like, oh, these are just like people I could hang with. I mean, obviously, incredibly talented, gifted. Oh, they're like, so you know, they're funny. bickering. They're so they're funny too. So yeah. yeah, fun, and they're just like talking about like their heroes who are just fellow musicians who I'm sure looked up to them. Listener, press pause in our pod and go watch the doc. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that said, speaking of speaking of good songs, Ben, let's segue. Yeah. Did you like that? That's it. Now that you have watched it all eight hours, here we are. We're going doing Canticle 9 here, which is the first song of Isaiah. It's Isaiah 12, 2 through 6. Once again, we're not doing an actual psalm, but this is a song from Scripture from the prophet Isaiah, which is very psalm-like. And it goes like this. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense and he will be my savior. Therefore, you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you shall say, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the peoples. See that they remember that his name is exalted. Sing the praises of the Lord, for he has done great things. And this is known in all the world. Cry aloud, inhabitants of Zion. Ring out your joy. For the great one in the midst of you is the Holy One of Israel. Nick, before I ask what you make of this psalm, do you remember Trinity Episcopal School for Ministry where we used to sing this canticle? So as I was reading it, I had a really hard time not like singing it. Um, But that aside, what do you think of it? Well, so let's start with um, like the Bible, the Bible itself. So this is, like you said, Isaiah 12, but it is the conclusion of a unit within Isaiah that starts in Isaiah 11. And that passage from Isaiah 11 is some, a passage we are all familiar with. It's the, um, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, you know, handles Messiah, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. In that, this is verse 10 of chapter 11. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people. And then it goes straight into chapter 12, verse one, which we don't read in that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. My point is this canticle is rooted in the event that day. So we are looking towards the day of the Lord. You know, Advent is all about location, location, location. You know, what time are we in? And we're in the time between So we are both looking back on that day when God saved us in the advent of Jesus Christ at Bethlehem, you know, Christmas, but we're also looking forward to that day when he will come again and, you know, unite the divided peoples of the world under his banner of peace. So it is, it is a a song, a canticle, a song of praise that is as believers in 2021 is both a looking back on what God has done and an anticipation of what God will do. And it gives us a script to praise. You know, I think that is, it's the theme is salvation and it's a script. Hey, here's how to give God thanks for how, what he's done for you in Jesus Christ. Say this. Yeah. I think if we go back to its original context, it's probably talking about the return from exile for the, for the Hebrew people, this great salvation event. They had been punished. They had been judged. And now at this point we are going back to the promised land. And it really is a song of praise. God has saved us. We will trust and not be afraid. So the first half seems to be this kind of song of deliverance. And the second half tends, seems to be this 
song of thanksgiving just just this overwhelming sense of praise and i think rightly so the new testament writers and the assemblers of our prayer book have uh we've we've claimed this as our own that we can look to jesus for this it was not just about exile rescue from oppression and prison essentially but it is uh, a celebration of this rescue from the powers of sin and death in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that line, therefore you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. That kind of notion that it's like salvation is this, you know, the spring that ever flows upon us. And we're just kind of like overjoyed with thanks. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's salvation that's from outside yourself, right? You know, water that you draw, it's like, it's a picture of salvation in its fullness as necessary and as vital as as water is to a desert people, and it's you know it's it's something that bubbles up not from within you but from outside yourself. Yeah, I think um, you know one way to frame what this canticle in some ways teaches us about the life of faith is um, the you know what you do with doubt or what you do with despair or how you combat faithlessness. I think what this psalm is saying is you know because the the prophet Isaiah is giving these people a script to, to perform that is not yet representative of their experience. You know, he's saying in that day, that coming day, this is what you will say. And if you imagine, this is somewhat obviously speculative, but if you imagine this is written to a people in exile whose God has seemingly forsaken them, whose promises have seemingly not been fulfilled, you know, faith is withering or, you know, like a dead flower or it's smoldering like a, you know, a fire, and how do you blow the embers on that? Or how do you water that plant? It's like you use, you uh, anticipate what will one day be by giving God thanks for it. And it's like, you know, it's the difference between someone who is, you know, think about, you know, pastoral ministry, someone who is doubting their salvation, let's say, or, or not doubting their salvation, but is kind of wondering, will God be gracious to them? And, you know, you don't say to them, well, just believe it. You know, it's like you give them a song to sing, you know, sing amazing grace, or you give them a Bible passage to mem- to meditate on. It's like, it's this idea of going outside in, you know, it's like, don't look within yourself for faith, use the words of this canticle or use the words of God or use the sacraments, use something that faith can latch onto. And that is how faith is born. That's how faith is generated. I think it's like, we, we use the prayer book, we use these words. And by saying the words, they become true of us and our experience. Yeah, we see that in ancient Israel. We see that among the earliest Christians. And we, we see that among in the African-American spirituals, right? Like these folks who are enslaved are singing these songs, exactly what you're saying, like anticipating that day um, when the troubles of the world will be no more and having this full trust in this God who has acted, right? We're talking about proclaiming the deeds that he has done in anticipation of the freedom and the deliverance that he will bring. And that was true of them. And that's, that's why we say or sing this song even now. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the final thing I would say, just like, this is kind of, you know, inductive Bible study stuff, but the, um, the, the reasons that we are given uh, to sing the praises of God or to cry aloud and ring out for joy, the, the text gives us like two kind of primary things to, to, to meditate on, you know, it's uh, sing praises, sing the praises of the Lord for he has done great things and cry aloud, bring out your joy for 
the great one in the midst of you is the holy one of Israel. So God has done these great things. You know, God has acted as Christians, we would say God has acted once and for all in Jesus Christ to set the world to rights, you know, to rectify, to justify, to bring salvation. God has done great things. So sing praises to him. And then ring out your joy for the great one in the midst of you is the Holy One of Israel, the sense of presence, you know, the notion of incarnation, like we have beheld his glory, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And, you know, whether it's whether you're looking towards the second coming in anticipation, or you're looking back upon the first coming in remembrance, it's God has done these glorious things, or God will do these glorious things. And God's presence is is shed abroad, you know, through the Holy Spirit, or God's presence will be in the new heavens and the new old earth, like engulfing all things, you know, but it's that notion of, of glorious things and presence. I think that's like the fuel for this bonfire of, of worship and adoration. Yeah. We we're in Advent right now. And a lot of the Advent texts are about being watchmen uh, of, of staying awake, looking for the dawn. And while watchmen a lot of times are on the lookout for burglars or foreign armies that might invade. I think the message that we can get from this psalm and from just the, uh, the hope of our faith is that we are less on the watch for our enemy who's prowling around seeking someone to devour. We are on the watch for the dawn, that day when all will be revealed, when this time in between advents will be no more. And all of the promises of God will be real and right there. And I think that that's, that's really helpful. It's we uh, as Christians are ones who are, we have great confidence and great hope despite our current circumstances, despite at times it all, all evidence seems to the contrary. Uh, And we are told here, he has done great things. And our hope is that, we look back to the cross, which will, that victory there will be fully real for us. And we await that dawning with confidence. And that's, that's gospel to me. Yeah. That, amen. The I mean, news of Advent. yeah, I mean, to kind of bring the two thoughts together when you just said, when I said earlier, I mean, one way to frame this canticle as it relates to Advent is like, yeah, what do you do when you're on the wall? Like, how do you watch and, and not lose heart? You know, how do you not fall asleep? You know, it's like, well, if you're trying to stay up for some, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, like in real life, like if you're bored waiting for an airplane that gets delayed, or if you're waiting to pick someone up or something, you know, it's like, you just sing a Beatles song, like sing a song that, you know, you know, and I think this, what this text gives us is like, while you're watching, while you are waiting, you can anticipate the joy of what, of that you'll experience when that, what you're waiting for appears by singing this song. It's a script to follow, to help you watch with anticipation yeah. and, and vigilance. And maybe that's part of what Augustine means when he says, when you sing, you, you've prayed twice. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a, that would be a good quote for the gram. All right. Um, let me, uh, let me say the catechol to close it out. I'm going to read verse one, two, that it's not included in the prayer book, but it's, it's all part of this. You'll see it. It just flows very naturally. Um, so this is Isaiah 12, the canticle for the third Sunday of Advent. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. 
with joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.